Good morning. Aren't you glad that Jesus is forever on the throne? Take a moment and greet someone near you and say to them, give me some extra peace, please. Don't you love it when people just, you ready to hear from God? My name is Dennis Sandberg, and um, continue to pray for Pastor Jeff and Deb as they're on a well-deserved vacation. And I'm one of the blessed elders here at RLC. My wife, Don, and I, we oversee, I'm very excited about the upcoming life care ministry that starts next week, 10 days away. I encourage you to get plugged in, get involved, because God is on the move. Amen. Okay, before we start, can we pray? Lord, I just pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I believe and trust in God to allow everyone listening today to hear some nuggets of truth that will impact their life and move them towards God and the life he desires for each of us to walk into. That is life and life more abundantly. Father, I just pray that you create a fire in each of us for more of you and your word, and we thank you in advance for directing our steps and leading us in the way that we should go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, about a, about a year ago, I started with a here who does extremely well in the uh, pizza business. I know everybody loves pizza. And I, I get the opportunity to connect with many pizza industry owners and workers on a regular basis. And recently, I was at one of my pizzerias, and I was, I was looking and was impressed at the at the girl that was on the phone taking a at repeating what the customer was ordering. The customer was ordering extra pepperoni, extra sausage, right, Bob? It's extra cheese. And as I'm listening to it, God was like stirring in my heart about isn't that kind of how our prayers come to him on a regular basis. You know, we're, we're, we're calling God to, like, like we're calling in a pizza order to meet our hunger needs, but why not include a little extra? You know, I've always believed as a Christian that I'd, I'd love to have more fruits of the Spirit flowing in my life. We'd all love more love, more joy, more long-suffering, more kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, wouldn't we? You know, and I was thinking, as a Christian, doesn't God load us with these benefits daily? Do we really have to ask 
for extra or more than enough? You know, I, I, I began to think about the manna that God supplies the Israelites in the wilderness and how it was a one-day supply. I'm sure they wondered why God didn't send a little extra or at least something with a, an extended shelf life. You know, being in the food business for 37 years, I know how man has put shelf life extenders into God's natural foods that isn't particularly healthy for you. You know, we really need to be wise and do things God's way and obey his word instead of approving the extra things that man tends to put into things. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32, it says, Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You may not add to it or take away from it. You know, taking away from God's commandments is a way that we sometimes try to avoid them. The Bible in 2 Timothy says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know, we shouldn't study God's word to puff up our knowledge to prepare so that we can win an argument. We should study God's word to know how to do God's will here on earth and live righteously. You know, adding to God's word can be religious and crushes with unnecessary requirements. Strangely enough, if, if we add a command, we can actually end up subtracting another command. You know, the Pharisees in Jesus' day added restrictions to keeping the Sabbath. But by trying to do that, they kept Jesus, they, they didn't want Jesus to heal on the Sabbath, and they were actually breaking God's commandment of love your neighbors yourself. And God always gave laws to point people to Jesus, making them simpler than they should be or more difficult gets in the way of drawing people towards Jesus and seeing him as the way, the truth, and the life. You know, the world's gotten a lot more complicated lately. You know, I, I realize that we're well into 2021, but I feel like a lot of what has happened in 2021 is a continuation or a reaction to what transpired in 2020. You know, the world is in, in, in turmoil. We're still dealing with this virus. We're, we're, I, I feel we're still re reeling from a contentious election. Protests, riots, chaos, everywhere we look. You know, Christians are running in a lot of different directions. They're afraid. They're distracted. They're unsure. They're asking, what should I do now? And yet we're often too busy to ask God for direction and to listen to his voice. You know, I feel like many others in the church that are crying out to God say, God, give me some extra peace, please. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, we read how Paul was in prison, and he was writing encouraging words. He was awaiting a possible execution, and the outside world was in turmoil. But inside, Paul's spirit was full of peace. 
And so in Philippians 4, starting with verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul here is saying, don't be anxious about anything. I mean, isn't amazing that Paul says that while he's sitting there awaiting execution? I get anxiety rising up in me just sitting in a dentist office waiting for a cavity. You know, we all have worries and anxieties about our job, our finances, our loved ones, or what's going on in the world. But, you know, think about Paul sitting here waiting for an execution. He was in a battle. He needed to overcome fear. You know, fear is one of the main tools that the enemy uses. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. God wants to bring us into peace with a still small voice, still waters, and a green pasture. God desires extra peace in our lives. You know, the enemy wants to fear to grip us so that we are paralyzed to hear from God. You know, I, I was looking up about what triggers fear in our body, and I was led to a little almond-shaped portion of our brain called the amygdala, which lies below the pituitary brain. I, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it functions to alert you if something or someone is a threat to you or your environment. It sends nerve pulses to another part of your brain to release adrenaline to get you to react to whatever is threatening you. You know, what happens is, is, is when, when it gets triggered, your, your heart beats faster, you breathe faster, your blood increases, and the amount of sugar in your blood increases, so it increases the amount of adrenaline in your blood system, so you're ready. But fear is an immediate response to danger in your environment. And I, I was thinking about this because um, a couple years ago when I was a, a, a manager and, and part of my area that I had to cover was uh, the Watertown-Clayton area. And in central New York in the, in the middle of winter, we, we get these things called Tug Hill storms. And I'll be watching the news the night before and I know I have to meet my employee up in Watertown and I'm looking at that weather and I'm like, well, I better not go across Tug Hill. That's a little dangerous. So, so I, I, I take the route to Syracuse, and I <clears throat> head up 81, and I'm driving. See these signs there that says, warning, storm ahead. And, and you can literally feel your, 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 I'm starting to sweat my hands just driving up there. And there's just the, these weather warnings. And, and it's my amygdala getting turned by just these signs. But what, what God was showing me one time is, is that even in the midst of a storm, I, I get up there, you know, Parrish, Sandy Creek, and, and Adam Center, and God bless those people that live there because they get a lot of snow. But inevitably, you'll get there on 81, and, and you'll come to a point where you 
think you're nervous and you'll get behind a plow going 25 miles an hour that just goes back and you'll, you'll get through. It's, and then you get into Watertown, it's like being in the promised land because there's no storm. You've, 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 you've gotten rid of that band, right, Fred? The, you know, that band, the snow band. And, and God was just showing me how that is so often. We get so worked up in that fear that his grace is waiting ahead for us. His provision to get to the other side is waiting for you. And, you know, Paul's talking here about not being anxious, because anxious is a persistent feeling of being at risk. It's kind of like a prolonged fear. And when anxiety persists in the absence of danger, it becomes symptoms of an anxiety disorder. You know, we, we think that peace is the absence of anxious thoughts, but it isn't. Peace is the presence of Christ himself. Peace is knowing that God's in control. You know, I just want to get back real quick to Philippians 4, and we see that Paul's advice is to turn our worries into prayer. And whenever we start to worry, I think it's a good idea to stop and pray. And if something's on your mind that starts to create anxiousness, you should cast that care to Jesus. You know, I, I, I just want to talk a little bit more about prayer. You know, many of us discount the power of prayer. You know, it, so often we get into strife and we say, all we can do now is pray. And, can, I mean, can you imagine God sitting there in heaven and somebody makes that statement that's a Christian and say, you say, really? I'm the one that parts the sea, raises people from the dead, you know, tears down Jericho walls, crosses the other side. I mean, he's like, really? And yet... That's, that's what happens, because prayer is powerful. You know, as, as believers, we need to recognize that prayer is not our last resort of defense. You know, I, I don't know how many people out there like, like football. I like football. And there's a, there's a strategy that some teams do at the end of a game. They, they tend to have a lead, and at the end they put on this defense called prevent defense. And prevent defense prevents a long pass, but it often allows a lot of short passes to have the other team just march down the field and a lot of times win the game. And I don't think using prevent defense is good in football and I don't think it's good in prayer. Prayer should be our first step in offense. We need to come boldly to the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that he's a good God. You know, it, it says in the book of James, we have not because we ask not. In essence, we haven't prayed. And, you know, if we pray about it, God is working on it. You know, I found an awesome scripture that verifies this promise in the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, verse 24. It says, 
and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. You know, praying is about inviting God to get involved with our request. Let me give you an example of how this works in the natural. I love my five grandchildren. And on the screen is, is my, my, one of my granddaughters, Kayla, who looks just like my wife, and my youngest grandson, Zephyr. And Kayla knows how much I love her. And in the beginning of this past December, she sends me a text message with pictures of items that she wants for Christmas. And, 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 and Kayla, Kayla loves her chinchilla. And she desired to have a chinchilla necklace so she can show her friends. And Kayla's specific positive request to me, combined with my positive thoughts to bless her, creates a desired respond to request. And in case you're wondering, she did get the necklace. <laughs> and don't you think that God wants to answer your sincere faith-based prayer in the same way? You know, it says in Matthew 7, 11, it says in the Passion Translation, if you imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is the Heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? There it is again. we got to ask him. You know, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but, but prayer and positive thoughts go hand in hand. And I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is our right hand of victory. The left hand represents the church, commonly referred to as the bride of Christ. When we pray solutions from God's word filled with his promises, we are bringing th positive thoughts and thankfulness to join in agreement. And when those two hands meet in the middle of positive prayer, that's when grace happens. And God is moving on our behalf. That is prayer. You know, prayer is, actually helps us to renew our mind and focus on God and give us peace. I believe that prayer actually calms your mind and soul. There's been times where, frankly, I had a rough day and I, either I didn't feel like coming to our monthly prayer group or, or coming to a life care meeting. But I can assure you when, when after I get there and we pray, there's a calmness that comes over me. And I'm sure if you come to it, that calmness will come to you. And I need to remind you that we need to stay away from sinful, negative thoughts. You know, in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please God, that please the Spirit. 
So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, and letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Notice at the end here is that peace. It's that extra peace. And one of the things that we encourage at, at, at Life Care is we, we ask the leaders to, to bring a prayer box. You know, this happens to be a really nice one. It's got Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. And we ask the, the, the leaders and encourage people to bring in unsaved loved ones so that we can put them into the box, which kind of symbolizes God, and we cast our cares, and we, and we put them in the box. And I, I was, I, it's a great way to, 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 to focus on and, and cast those cares. But, but I was thinking about how often um, we have these prayer requests, and, and, and we come and we write them down, and, you know, we might have a prayer request like, Lord, please pay my credit card bill off by next week. And we toss it in there. And we wait. By faith and patience. Do we struggle with patience? Can I raise my hand? We struggle with patience as Christians? We do. We do. So what happens is we, we you know, I, I know we're waiting for that letter in the mail. I know we're waiting for that knock at the door where, you know, such and such group shows up with a big check. And we get discouraged. And so, so we, just, we just go and... Lord, this tithing thing you, just doesn't work. And yet, you, you know what the real issue is? Is that we've made our worries too big and our God too small. And it's so important that we make our God big and our worries small. That's prayer. That's prayer. And it's important to cast your cares. It really is important to cast your cares. And don't apply a time limit to God. You know, what we need to do when it comes to prayer is do what we can do, give God what we can't do, and trust God no matter what. And, and I just want to give you a couple examples. You know, suppose you're enrolled in a course this fall semester at a local college, and you're facing an upcoming exam that represents a good portion of your grade. You need to pass the course, and you need God's help. You know, first, you do what you can do. Take action steps of faith. You study to show yourself approved unto God a workmanship that need not be ashamed. Next, you pray to God to order a little extra peace so that your amygdala doesn't get all wired up. You don't want to be anxious for nothing, including a heart exam. And be thankful and trust in the spirit of wisdom that God has given you. And once you start trusting God in that area, I feel you'll have a good result on that grade. You know, I was thinking another example as a church 
is we should be praying for more people to be saved this year. I am looking at a great cloud of witnesses here. And as witnesses, we should take action steps by encouraging others, by calling, emailing, texting, inviting them to church. Why not invite them to life care? And, you know, when I, I, I just envision this sometimes that we, we, we're, we're like that one minister that we see somebody in the grocery store we'd like to invite for church and we put our mask on and we just kind of go the other way, pass right by. Don't hide behind your mask. Don't ever be ashamed of the gospel to encourage people to come to church to hear God's word. And we need to boldly approach them. You know, we should pray that God's going to supply our needs and continue to have him build this church so the gates of hell will not prevail. God is good, God is faithful, and God is true. I just want to move on to a story in the book of Mark, chapter 4. It's commonly referred to as the story of Jesus calms the storm. And it says, now when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I want you to notice here, the storm came and it did not wake Jesus on his pillow. Even Jesus in his humanity got tired. And, you know, when the, when the disciples, let's call it what they are, they were in fear, and they, they, they went to him and said, teacher, don't you care? Do we say that sometimes? Don't you care? You know, their words were more criticism than a call for help. How easy it is for us to complain to God about not answering our prayer and coming to our aid instead of making a request and trusting him to answer it in his timing. Isn't it interesting that Jesus arose and did not speak to the disciples in their fear-ridden, anxiety-filled mindset they were in? Instead, he rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea, and he said, peace, be still. He didn't say to the disciples, be still, or the storm, be still. He said, peace, be still. Jesus was there, and peace was there all the time. And I just sense right now there's individuals 
that are just realizing, despite what we've been going through this last year, that peace has always been there. And I just want to pray for you. Father, I just pray for those facing challenges, challenging circumstances to recognize more than ever that your peace was there all the time. You know what they're facing. We thank you that your spirit of peace will surround them and their faith will rise up and peace will be still. And they will listen and adhere to your still, small voice. We thank you that we can live and move and have our being in you and your peace will fill them with more than what they could possibly understand. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're the ones that allow peace that is given to us by God through his Holy Spirit to be disturbed or out of control. The world thinks peace is the absence of challenging circumstances, but it isn't. Peace is the presence of Christ himself. Peace is knowing that God's in control. You know, it says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. You know, we have a choice to allow peace to rule in our lives. You know, we, we were just reading in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul through Holy Spirit moves us from don't be anxious about anything and to pray with a thankful heart and it'll lead to peace so that we so desire in our, in our lives. Once this peace happens, we are led to verse 8 to to discipline our thinking towards positive thoughts. God moves Paul from preparing our minds from that anxiousness to entering into a point of prayer to getting us filled with the peace. Now we can enter our soul with some positive thoughts because we need to get our minds renewed. We need to, we, we need positive God thoughts that need to replace negative mindsets that we struggle with. So I just want to read verse 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And I just want to touch base on each one of these. It says, think on things that are true. God is always truthful, and he never lies. If he says, I will never leave you, then we know we are never alone. If he says, I make all things work together for your good, then we can take comfort in our trials and tribulations. The power of God in our faith walk is reflected when we think, about the truthfulness of God. Think on things that are noble. 
A noble mind is open to exploring God's word rather than clinging on to man's traditions. Believers who think noble thoughts tend to resist the urge of prejudice thinking about others. The power of God generates an openness and approachable attitude about God's word. Think about what's right. We live in a world where the line between right and wrong is continually blurred. The word of God never backtracks on what is right. Meditating on God's word on a regular basis equips a believer to live righteously. The power of God is most evidence in believers who stand for what, it's, what is right, even in the midst of adversity. Think about things that are pure. Christians can practice the discipline of keeping their hearts and minds pure, but refusing to entertain uncleanliness. The power of God is revealed through the lips of a pure heart that brings encouragement, exhortation, rebuke, and reproof to others in gentleness. Think on things that are lovely. Sometimes we are assailed by darkness. Pleasant memories of the faithfulness of God encourages us to focus on the beauty of what life has to offer, even in trials. The power of God prompts us to offer praises and thankfulness. Think on things that are admirable. We can center our thoughts to feast on the goodness of Christ. The power of God opens our minds to his great sacrifice and love that leads us to eternal life. Think on things that are excellent. To focus on excellence of grace can captivate our minds and release us from the perils of negative thinking. Grace gives us the strength to move forward and we, when, we want to, when we want to give up. The power of God activates our faith to think on his endless possibilities of grace through Christ. Think on things that are praiseworthy. There is nothing more worthy of praise than that of our Lord Jesus Christ. He took the burden of our sins so that we can live free. Reflecting on the goodness of God always results in praise to his name. The power of God releases us from the depths of despair we can give ourselves over thoughts of praise. You know, I, I realize it's difficult to think on all these things when we live in a world of darkness that tries to creep in everywhere and rock our boat. Okay? We need... God's grace to help us move forward. You know, God's word is a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. God orders our steps. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I feel like, like I'm moving forward and I'm being resisted by the wind or an incline that I did not see coming. And the wind, or, the wind blows in your face and it tires you out. And it's easy to get that negative attitude that, and we can set aside those positive thoughts that God wants us to be in. You know, the world is causing a lot of uncomfortable situations in our lives lately. And, you know, are we more concerned about the discomfort? Or are we more concerned about the end result? 
I'm reminded of what uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 7. It says, we are, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despaired. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, Paul faced discomfort and negativity, but he never lost heart. Paul knew that God works through the weak and the powerless so that it's clear that the power comes from God alone. He, he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light inflictions which is for but a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. You know, Paul saw every difficulty as an opportunity to mature in the faith. You know, your, your, your outward man or woman might be perishing, but your inward man needs to be renewed each and every day. You know, keeping our faith Positive and focused on the promises of God within us is what causes us to change on the outside. That's how people will see your fruit. And I, I'm just amazed at, at how good of an attitude that Paul kept after all he had gone through. You know, all these outward obstacles he faced were called light affliction. You know, I was, I was reading a commentary about how our earthly problems and human limitations do have benefits for us. And this, this is applicable to, to Paul's life. They remind us of Christ's suffering for us. They keep us from pride. They cause us to look upon this brief life on this earth. They give us an opportunity to prove our faith to others. They give God the opportunity to demonstrate his power through us and realize, and we need to realize this, that his grace is sufficient. You know, um, attitude is an X factor of a Christian to put God and others first. Attitude is a choice, and, 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 and it really is about how we choose to frame things. Because you can look at the same situation and have a different opinion, but I, I, I really like this quote from uh, Pastor Chuck Swindoll. I just want to read it to you. I have it hanging on my wall in my office, um, and it says this. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than the appearanceness, giftedness, or skill. It makes or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. 
The only thing we can do is play on the one string that we have, and that's our attitude. I am convinced in life that 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is to you, we, in, we are in charge of our attitudes. You know, are we looking at God through our circumstances we're facing, or are we looking through our circumstances knowing that we are guided every step of the way by a good God? You know, we need to let peace guard our mind and our heart. You know, what are we hearing? What are we listening to? You know, there are things on the TV, internet, social media that are polluting and corrupting our focus on positive thoughts and being surrounded by peace. You know, some, many of us need to clean up our action of what we're hearing and seeing. You know, Jesus had to get away from these things even when he was here on earth. Jesus got a way to focus on positive thoughts he would receive from his father. Jesus often sought for a positive environment to do his greatest miracles. He would clear the room to go away with just a select few disciples and create a positive environment that was ripe for a miracle. Jesus was obedient to his father. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice is saying no to us, no to your time, no to your, your talents, or even your food if you happen to be fasting. Obedience is saying yes to God. Obedience is faith in what God said. It's about putting God first in our lives with all things. You know, when we, when we put God first, he blesses the rest, and he adds more on top of that. You know, we, we, we all at some point need to cast down negative thoughts that enter our mind. We can't dwell on negative thoughts. You know, we, some of us, the, the best thing I can do is change the scenery of your mind. We need to renew our mind and the things of God and, 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 and make it a habit of dwelling on Christ and his word. I'm just reminded in Psalm 112 where it says, Praise the Lord, blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. That's a changed man. We need to set up a healthy environment in our mind if we want to produce fruits of positivity. So if you catch yourself criticizing others, to some people, criticizing yourself, don't look in the mirror and criticize yourself. You're made in the image of God, and you need to speak blessings every time you wake up and you look at that mirror. You're a child of God. He made you in his image. There's, too, there's way too many people looking at mirrors and looking at other people and being very critical. And we need to stop it. And 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
You know, Jesus is our Redeemer. The Bible definition of Redeemer is one charged with the duty of restoring the rights of another and avenging his wrongs. We've all been born into a world full of sin and our need of a Savior to Savior, Redeemer, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We all need a Savior. You know, when, when I was young, as a teenager, I was faithful to go to church with my family. It was, it was the right thing to do. And I was reminded this past week of what David said in the book of Psalms, chapter 118. It says, you are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. You know, there, there came a point in my life where God needed to be my God. It was great that he was my mother's God. Um, I, I, I got saved at a young age, and there was a gentleman by the name of, of Pastor Mitchner, and it was great that he was Pastor Mitchner's God. But there, 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 there came a point in my life where he needed to be my God. And I, I, I just, you know, it, it goes, I, I keep bringing to my mind how we need to be inviting people church and inviting people to life care. This is the season to invite people to get people saved. Time is getting short. I can't emphasize that enough. And I was thinking about what do you call God? Think about that. What you call someone often reflects on how well you know them. Is God your strength? God's my joy. God's my hope. God's my future. God is faithful. God is love. God is peace. God is the peace that passes all understanding. And you might be listening to me encouraging you about peace. And you might be saying, Dennis, my life is in pieces. <laughs> and when someone says that, what you're saying is that you're your foundation is cracking. And it's causing a shifting in your life in all sorts of areas. And that's, that's what happens in this world, is, is, is people lose focus on what is the foundation. You know, I just want to encourage anyone listening to, to make God your foundation, your chief cornerstone the rock on which you stand because 
All other ground is sinking sand. And I just want to encourage you to, to, to say and get to a point in your life where you, you can say the same thing. He's my God. He doesn't need to be Pastor Gabe's God, although I'm glad he is. He needs to be your God. And um, if that's you, I just would like to have you join me in this prayer for everyone to bow their heads. Dear God, I thank you for sending your son to come to the earth to live a life that I could not live, to be an example I could not achieve, to be a sacrifice for my sins. Lord, forgive me this day of all my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you to be Lord of my life and commit my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have shared that prayer for the first time, please let one of our ushers know on your way out. And I just want to close in prayer. Lord, I just pray that you would seal this word into our hearts. I thank you for loading your people with benefits daily so that they can do exceedingly above and beyond all you could ask or hope for. You are a God of blessing that desires to pour more into our lives each and every day. Let us be thankful and grateful for all you do and be ready to share with others as you direct our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Have a great day. One more there.